The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness is not understanding it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed, In his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human desire or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Thank you, John for reading that scripture to us. We had to have John read the scripture because we are in the Apostle John's Gospel talking about John the Baptist and it only was right that we have uh, John uh, uh, read read this account. I didn't think of that till this morning. Kevin, (laughs) Kevin reminded me. So last week we talked about the Isaiah prophecy in chapter 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And as we saw, we saw last week a little bit of what that meant for Isaiah as he wrote and lived in 700 B.C. And, uh, and we listened to what his ministry was like in that divided kingdom of Judah and Israel at a time after Solomon. We also saw what it ultimately meant as he prophesied about Jesus Christ and uh, not knowing fully what that ultimate fulfillment of prophecy would mean 700 years later when Jesus Christ came, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I shared what the darkness looked like in Isaiah's day, the people walking in darkness, and I shared a little bit of what the darkness looks like in our day, as we talked about it last week. And we talked about What is our responsibility as those who are walking in the light of Christ for those that walk in darkness? I like that word responsibility. It's a response-ability. That's the important part of responsibility. We can respond and we can make a difference in this world. So the responsibility that I said for those of us who are living on this side of Isaiah's prophecy, seeing it fulfilled is that first of all, we need to call Jesus for who He is. He is the true light. Not one light among many lights, but the true light that gives light to every person. Secondly, we said we needed to call darkness for what it is. It's it's darkness. And it has many, many faces. And we need to be aware of the kind of darkness that people are walking in if we're going to bring them the light of Christ. And then finally I said 
we need to call people that are walking in the darkness into the light of community, relationship. And so we talked about those ways of responding last week. We talked about some First Nations concerns. We talked, I mentioned the the drug overdose, fentanyl crisis, the violence against women, human trafficking, refugees, their needs, seniors, shut-ins. The darkness is varied, and we can have a responsibility, becoming aware and then doing something, not in every area, but in the areas that God the Spirit calls us. He'll put one of those or several others in, in your heart. Now, just as an Isaiah was announcing this incredible prophecy and speaking light into the darkness in that time, talking ultimately about Jesus Christ, there came also in the New Testament a prophet of God that was announcing the coming of Jesus Christ. His name was John the Baptist. And he's the one that we read of in John chapter 1, the scripture that was read. It's interesting because he actually began his ministry before he was born. Go figure that one out. It says that in the scripture that when Mary was, uh, was um, visited by the angel Gabriel and was told that she would be with child and conceived by the Holy Spirit, she was so, so shocked at this news, she had to go and someone, tell someone that she could trust. So she went to her cousin Elizabeth. We don't know whether it was an aunt or a first cousin or what it was, but she, she went to Elizabeth and the scripture tells us that as soon as Mary walked in Elizabeth's house, the baby within Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy. That baby was John the Baptist. So even before he was born, he was announcing the coming of Jesus. It says in the scripture in Luke chapter 1, verse 42, um, Elizabeth says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And so let's think about John the Baptist uh, this morning and what we can learn from him about being a witness. But before we get to that concept of witness, I want to talk about two other concepts that John introduces in the scripture that was read to us. And the first uh, concept is the word word, and then the second, the word light which is, of course, in our theme this Advent. First of all, the word word, logos, is the word that meant to the Jewish people not just a word, but something with great power. And the reason that John begins his gospel the way that the very first words of Genesis begin in the beginning is because he wants the reader to be thinking about that. Because it was with the words of God that Everything that exists came into being. He spoke and it was done. And so we see that John is making a parallel to the creation account. It's interesting also that the first thing that God speaks into being is, is light. Let there be light. In fact, he didn't say let there be light, kind of a long sentence. He just said light. And there was light. And the first concept after the word word that John brings out is the word light. And he has a few concepts of light that he wants to address. Seven times in just a few verses he mentions it, 21 times in his gospel. Light, first of all, is life-giving. In John 1, 4, 
We read that in him was life, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. We know what photosynthesis does in order for a, a plant to, to grow, that uh, botanical life cannot grow without this light and, and uh, combined with all that is going on within the plant, the carbon dioxide in the water producing a simple sugar and so on. And just as that is true in botanical life, spiritual life also does not exist without light. Jesus is that light for, for spiritual darkness. John also says in verse 5 that light shines in the darkness. One of the components of light is that it shines. You can't do anything but shine if you're light because that's what it's like. And it says in the Scripture in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Now, if you have an NIV Bible, you'll notice in the footnote of that that it says overcome because it really is hard to understand how light would understand or darkness understand. But the word has to do with overcoming in a metaphorical sense. And so the darkness has not overcome the light. If you put light and darkness in a room, light will always overcome the darkness, not the other way around. And so the question, of course, in spiritual terms when you read this, you're asking, well, why is this world such a dark place if Jesus Christ, the light of the world, has come? Well, John develops his theme later on, and in chapter 3 and verse 19, he said, this is the verdict that light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And so you see, John has developed the theme that light is more powerful than darkness, but because people want to hide from God, the God of light, want to live in the darkness, this world still is a very dark place. I remember when I was a uh, young boy, our church in Hanover, Ontario, uh, had a boys' club. And one of our favorite games in the boys' club, I'm sorry for the word, the name of this, but uh, it was what we called it. It was called Murder in the Dark. And uh, we played Murder in the Dark as, as, as often as we could. Now, the, the object of the game was simply to have one team at one end of the auditorium and one team at the other. And the leaders shut the lights off, and this was pitch dark. You could not see. It makes me think of when we visited some caves in Bolivia, and after we got right in about a kilometer into the cave, they had us shut our flashlights off, and you couldn't see the hand in front of your, your face. Well, that's what it was like. And so then in the middle of this game, all of a sudden at one point sometimes, the leader would flip the switch on, and we'd see where everybody was. You might be one foot away from somebody. But the goal of the game was to try and get to the opposite end of the auditorium and touch their wall before one of theirs touched our wall. And it was an amazing thing when they, they shifted on the lights, how all of a sudden everything that was in the darkness could be seen. The light shines in the darkness. Jesus Christ is the kind of presence in this world that when he brings his presence to bear in a life, all that is in the darkness is going to be revealed. For this reason, many people do not want to talk about Jesus Christ. Spiritually and intuitively, their spirit knows that they do not want 
to have this God of light come into their being because some of the things that they're doing will be exposed. It is innate within the, the spirit of fallen humanity to resist the light and love the darkness. There is a tendency that you and I can have also, instead of walking in the light of Jesus Christ and in the fellowship with one another in that light, to walking in darkness. And yet when Jesus Christ has his way, he exposes what's in the darkness and we walk in the light of Christ. And then also the true light gives light to every person. It says in chapter 1, verse 9 of this scripture, every person. This is a reference to Jesus coming down, the true light, as a baby, giving light to every person. More clearly does John say it in verse 14, the Word was made flesh. This is John's birth account. The Word was made flesh, and He dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory. There's a reference here to the tabernacle, this tabernacling among us, this God in flesh, and the glory of that tabernacle seen in Jesus for those who knew him. We see that in the scripture. And this idea of incarnation is clearly explained in verse 14. You know, I was reading this past week about how the Hindu religion has also their idea of incarnation. And it is interesting if we are witnessing if we are sharing Christ with a Hindu, it is very interesting how sometimes they want to identify the idea of incarnation with some of the incarnational beliefs they have in Hindu religion. It's called avatar. It's this idea of descent. And Raj, you could probably tell me a lot more about it than I know, but, but it's the, the, goddess, the god Vishnu, for example, some believe that he is supposed to have Ten different incarnations or avatars or descents. And so this idea of incarnation exists in some other religions, but none, none are like our idea of Jesus Christ and his incarnation. You know, the ex-Beatle, uh, Harrison, who wrote My Sweet Lord, he was writing a praise song to, to Krishna, who be, he was believed to be an avatar, this, this idea of an incarnational God. But the Scripture's understanding of incarnation is so very different because, you see, just as in the Calvary event, it was a once-for-all event, so also it was a once-for-all event, this birth of God in human form, never to be repeated, never needing to be repeated. Because in everything that God needed to do in the incarnation of Jesus Christ and in his death and sacrifice, it was accomplished once for all. This is the incarnation. And it was for every person, all people. He is God. He is light. And finally, we want to take a look at this word witness. We are, as John calls himself, witnesses to the light. He is sent from God, just as we are men and women sent from God. And he came, in verse 7, he says, as a witness to testify concerning the light. Now, the, the scripture tells us that this word witness is the, where we get our word martyr from. The reason for that is because many in the early church who witnessed testified, 
did lose their lives for their faith. But it is not necessarily so that testifying is going to end up in you losing your life. So, so strictly speaking, a witness, a martyr, was someone simply who spoke of what they experienced of Jesus Christ. They testify. That's what John does. He testifies. 47 times the word in its various forms are used in the Gospel of John. And you see, a true testament, a true testimony, a true testifying, a true witness has to have firsthand experience. You see, you can't, you can't stand up in a court of law and have the judge say to you, are you a witness of this event? And you say, well, no, but, but so-and-so told me well, that, that doesn't wash. You see, you have to be a first-hand witness if you're going to have a credible testimony. And similarly, in spiritual terms, we, we must have a first-hand understanding of what Jesus did for me 2,000 years ago and what he has done for me in my lifetime. You see, what happened back 2,000 years ago mattered for me. You have to have a personal encounter with Jesus that makes sense of that. And you have to have a personal encounter with Jesus that makes sense of what God in his sovereignty did to awaken you to the reality of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. But awareness in your lifetime. And so then you have a, a testimony. Then you can be a witness like John was a witness. John had an incredible encounter several occasions with Jesus Christ before John was beheaded and martyred as one for his faith. In John 1.15, it says John testifies concerning Jesus, and he cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now, if that's not a riddle, what is? He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. But see, John is understanding the pre-incarnate Christ, God eternal. He's speaking it. And in verse 19, John's testimony, he says, was this. In verse 20, he said he did not fail to confess, but he confessed, he testified. Same word, freely. I'm not the Christ. I'm not, I'm not him. I'm just the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. You know, there's a difference between an echo and a voice. And people can quickly discern if you're an echo or a voice. He did not say, I am an echo in the wilderness. Just repeating whatever Isaiah told me a long time ago or I heard from Isaiah. No, no, he said, I am a voice in the wilderness. I have a firsthand testimony of Jesus. And people can dis tell as well whether, whether you're a voice or an echo. Whether you are speaking and mimicking only what you have heard other people say about Jesus, or whether you really do have an experience of Jesus yourself and are speaking from heart experience. John also was very intent on making sure that everybody knew he was not the light that Jesus Christ was. In no way did he want to eclipse God John said, you know, I can baptize you with water, 
The church here can say that too. The church at White Ridge can say, I can baptize you with water. Us pastors and leaders can say, we can baptize you with water. We can all say that. You want to get baptized with water? Come on, let's baptize with water like we did last week. But he said, only one can baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, that's the difference. Jesus is the true light. The baptism of water simply reflects the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so John is clearly intent on saying, he's got to increase and I've got to decrease. So what can we take from this then as we conclude on this? What can we take from this looking at John as a witness? First of all, a good, a good witness has to witness, has to testify at some point. At some point, if we don't testify, we can't be called witnesses because witnesses witness. And so somewhere along the way, God is going to knock on your heart's door and say, you know, I really want you to talk to somebody about me. It's very redundant in the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. It says, he came for a witness that he might bear witness. That's what John did. And we are here as well as witnesses so that we might bear witness. John's is a very simple witness. He just said, can you imagine this? He's out in the, in the middle of the wilderness baptizing. People are coming to him. He's preaching. And all of a sudden, one day, he just says, Look! Look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This was the one I've been talking about. You know? Somehow we just got to do that with people. We just got to get their attention off of us and say, Look! Now, what, what does that look like for you in your friendships? At school, at work? What does that look like? We testify. Secondly, a good witness has the desire for someone else to come to faith. In verse 7, it says, He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through Him men might come to believe. That's our desire. That's the desire of a witness is that God somehow, way, through me, could it be that someone else could come to faith? That's our heart's desire. That's what John wanted. That's what we want. And then finally, it's his heart's desire that he would never upstage Jesus over and over again. We don't have time right now, but if you take a look at the entire chapter 1, you will find five times when John is very clear, I don't want to upstage Jesus. I'm just the best man. The best man is just standing in the wings. He's the groom. He's the, he's the one that's important. You know? He must increase. I've got to decrease. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. Over and over again, John was earnest that Jesus is exalted, that people come away thinking of Jesus. That's what a witness does. Let us pray together, and then I'll invite the worship team to conclude our service with a song. Lord our God, would you be so pleased even this week to show us those to whom you have sent us to empower us by your Holy Spirit to be your witnesses that we might, like John the Baptist, be able to point people through the true, true light that gives light to every human. Jesus, you are that true light. And Lord, in this season of Christmas, would you put it on our hearts to show us, Lord, what extra thing you want us to be doing to point to you and to be witnesses for you. Lead us, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name.
Amen.